0: who alive doesn't want to know how to age more gracefully with less pain with a more acute brain with better energy to spend with our loved ones to fulfill all of the to-do's on our bucket list you know time marches on we have no we have no control over that but perhaps we do have control every single day in the choices that we make over some of the inevitabilities of our future Perhaps because of some of the decisions we can make right now, we can avert, as they say on Yom Kippur, a more severe decree, not the ultimate decree, but a more severe one along the way. Joining us now is Dr. Michael Greger, the New York Times bestselling author of How Not to Die and How Not to Diet. Now he tells us how not to age altogether with a scientific approach. Uh, Dr. Greger, welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show today. hello. Hello.
2: Hello. It's good to be here. I hope to inspire some of your listeners to live longer, better lives.
0: Well, I read the book, or at least I read a lot of the book, not the whole book, because it's a bit of an encyclopedia. And, um, yeah. But it's a good one. It's a good reference book. No, I mean it. It is a good one. Yeah, yeah. And let me yeah, just yeah. start by saying that I can appreciate that you are healthily skeptical of things in which all the science isn't in yet, which makes it even stronger when you conclude. Hold on, science tells us this is true.
2: Yeah, I mean that's why I wrote the book. It's really cut through the noise and nonsense. You know, it reminded me of my my uh, last book on weight loss. You know, both dieting and anti aging are multi billion dollar industries, and with so much money in the mix, anyone seeking even basic practical advice in either arena, you know, living lighter or longer is faced with just an inscrutable barrage of pills and potions. I mean, even as a physician with the luxury of, you know, wading deep through the medical journals, it's been a challenge to tease out facts from farce. And if it took me three years to sit through all the science, I'm afraid the casual observer would just have no chance. But the good news is that it turns out we have tremendous power over our health, destiny, and longevity, and that the vast majority of premature death and disability is preventable with a healthy enough diet and lifestyle
0: and how old are you doctor
2: i am 51 Turned oh, 50 while young. writing the book
0: you're a kid okay so uh you're <laughs> a kid i mean i'm 63 i feel like i feel like 40 i feel good great uh, yeah no i do my grandma lived to 106 so i think i have the longevity gene my grandma lived to 106 and a half was never in a nursing home she had a little bit of short-term Wonderful. memory loss at the end and some deafness. But other than that, she was remarkable. Her children are 98 and 94 respectively now. My aunt and my and my father, they live in their own homes independently. They have not had any diminution in cognition whatsoever. Uh, they probably should be studied by near Barzilai in Colombia. We've spoken to him, but I don't know why he's not getting on their bandwagon. And they come from that Ashkenazic Eastern European peasant Jew yeah. up there someplace that – you know, and I think I have it. I think I, I mean, I feel really good. I think I have it. But that doesn't mean that having it has, doesn't also have a lot to do with a lot of the choices that people make, because I was looking through, like my family lives on nuts and seeds. I mean, like we live on that oh, and, we, and we don't have any alcohol. We, we really don't. And so a lot of the do's and don'ts that you have here are sort of our, are, are sort of my cultural inheritance a little bit.
2: I love it. Yeah, based on studies of identical twins, only about 25% of the difference in lifespan between people is determined by genetics. And so for, you know, majority of which we may have some control, we can look to, you know, the blue zones, for example, these areas of exceptional longevity around the world where they all center their diets around these whole plant foods. So minimizing processed foods, meat, dairy, sugar, eggs, salt, while maximizing. Fruits, vegetables, whole grains, legumes like beans, flippies, chickpeas, lentils, nuts and seeds, uh, mushrooms, herbs and spices. Basically real food that grows out of the ground. These are our healthiest choices.
0: Why uh, are eggs not good, doctor? I was surprised by that.
2: Yeah, well, you know, food isn't so much good or bad. But better or worse, because food is a package. Food is like a, a zero-sum game. Basically, every time we put something in our mouth, there's an opportunity cost. A lost opportunity, put something even healthier in our mouth. So are eggs healthy? Well, compared to breakfast sausage, absolutely. Wow. Compared to oatmeal, not even close, right? Really? The same thing with, you know, is fish is fish healthy? Well, you know, a tuna fish sandwich better than a bologna sandwich. But, you know, something like a hummus wrap would be even better.
0: Interesting, but just tell me why eggs in particular? Is it because they come from an animal oh, that they're well, not healthy?
2: Well, no. It's it's the most concentrated source of dietary cholesterol oh. in uh, in the American diet, I and see. so and the, the more cholesterol we eat, the higher levels of our LDL cholesterol in our blood, the so called bad cholesterol, which is a primary risk factor for the number one killer, of not just men but women in this country, heart disease. Heart
0: disease. Okay, now how do we, I mean, let's say we know that we should be exercising a half an hour a day and we even know that we don't have to do something strenuous, we don't have to do push-ups or squats or even run, we could just walk. But what do you suggest to get us to motivate ourselves to do it? We live a very sedentary lifestyle. We're attached to our computers, our iPhones, they are an appendage all the time. We're getting that crow's neck thing where all we do is look down at them.
1: How, well, how
0: do we motivate ourselves? I'm serious, to do what yeah. we know we should yeah, do. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, no, no. And perfect time of the year to be talking about, you know, how right. do you make New Year's resolutions stick? Well, to help secure our goals, we can call upon our built-in cognitive capacity to create habits to kind of automate our actions. This starts with something called implementation intentions. So instead of just kind of vague self-promises that, you know, do our best, implementation intentions are specific then plans to perform particular behavior in a specific context. So they take the form of like, you know, when situation X arises, I will perform response Y. So, you know, if I get hungry after dinner, I will eat an apple, you know. And so if the the triggering circumstance is a regular daily occurrence, what these implementation intentions do is they can be the beginning of a beautiful habit. Um, and uh, and that's the, and that's the key. There may be a lot of work up front to establish that habit, but once it's ingrained in our brains, then the need for willpower is replaced by just this eerie compulsion to just do the right thing.
0: Oh, that's interesting. So I, I'm getting online. We're chatting. We're, tra- we're chatting with Dr. Michael Greger 203-333-9422. Lately, the internet is on to me, and they want to sell me a lot of different like yoga in chair things. And you know, oh. I've, I've sort of been thinking and I love yoga. I do yoga a couple times a week anyway. But I've sort of been thinking I spend a lot of my time in a chair, like about eight or 10 hours a day in a chair, mm. because I'm a judge after I am on the air with you. So I'm on the air with you. And I'm sitting in a chair for at least two hours from my show. And then I go to a place where I'm sitting in a chair again. And I was thinking, you know, maybe I should do, maybe I should have a four o'clock, as you're saying, put an intention into my brain, or at four o'clock, I do, you know, 10 minutes of yoga chair stuff. Maybe I should.
2: Oh, oh, yeah. Or or just, you know, going up and down a flight of stairs, you know, five minutes every hour can keep the the so-called endothelium, the inner lining of our blood vessels, the reason why a uh, prolonged sitting, six or more hours a day, is associated with uh, uh, increased risk of premature death. It's because of the uh, of the uh, the pooling of blood in our lower limbs, um, which prevents the, uh, the, 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 the the kind of the the tug of shear stress that that helps keep our inner linings of our blood vessels healthy. But so what we can do is even just five minutes, an hour, if we just get up, move around, go up and down some stairs, we can keep that blood flow going. We can also – there's all sorts of kind of under-the-desk fiddle kind of things where you can bounce your knee up or down. or There's little uh, things where you can, uh, uh, you can do like pedaling underneath the desk. There's ways to kind of keep our lower limbs active even when we're sitting down, um, which can help uh, lower our risk of prolonged sitting.
0: That's really cool.
2: In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer.
1: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
0: Can you tell me, Dr. Greger, 203-333-9422, if you want to interrupt with a question or a comment, what are telomeres? I know that you have a whole chapter devoted to them. What do we need to know about them, and is there something that we can do to lengthen ours, which may be better for us? Tell me about telomeres. What are they?
2: Yeah, so telomeres are kind of protective caps at the tips of our chromosomes. One of, the, one of the 11 aging pathways that I've talked about, and one of the ones that's kind of crept into public consciousness, uh, increasing, uh, so increasing telomere length to slow even and prevent cellular aging has kind of become a popular idea. And we can do that. There are some lifestyle decisions um, that, can, that can enable us. Normally, they, they shrink as we get older. Um, but we can slow down that shrinkage even build them back up by quitting smoking and reducing our intake of refined grains, soda, processed meat, and dairy, while increasing our consumption of fruits, vegetables, and other antioxidant-rich foods.
0: And okay, that's that's a lot to swallow. There's my pun of the day. But that is a lot to swallow. Because, you know, change is not easy for people. We as you said earlier, we get into habits. And you know, there seems to be nothing more sort of overall American habit than bacon and eggs for breakfast. I mean, bacon is what the most highly processed food there is. But one of them, right? Um, I don't eat it myself. I don't eat pork, but whatever. But I'm just saying. It's very hard. For in fact,
2: it's a there. yeah no, it's a category one carcinogen. So is all it... processed meat, bacon, ham, hot dogs, lunch meat, um, sausage, um, uh, is considered by the IARC, which is kind of the official global body in terms of what is and is not cancer causing, to be a category one carcinogen. Meaning we are as sure that processed meat causes colorectal cancer, the number one cancer killer among non-smokers, than we are that you know cigarette smoke causes cancer, asbestos causes cancer, plutonium causes cancer. Um, and so, you know, yes, you know, you know, people are sending their kids to school with baloney sandwiches or something, and that's um, uh, something that we really need to put an end to. That's something that not just to minimize one's diet, but ideally uh, really cut out of one's diet, with the exception of maybe, you know, birthday, holiday, special occasions.
0: Okay, so I'm listening to you, and I had no idea that these are a Category 1 carcinogen. I had no idea, and I would say that I'm a relatively well-informed person.
2: Yeah, I mean, so – and that's the question. It's like, well, wait a second. We can have this mountain of evidence, but until the powers that be eventually, you know, kind of to get this out in the public, it reminds me of kind of smoking in the 1950s where average per capita cigarette consumption was 4,000 cigarettes a year. Maybe the average American smoked half-pack a day. Most doctors smoked, and yet smoking continued to increase until 1964 – and then it's been decreasing every year since. You say, wow, one of the greatest public health victories of all time. What happened in 1964? The first Surgeon General's report against smoking cited 7,000 studies linking smoking with lung cancer. You think maybe after the first 6,000 studies, it could give people a heads up or something. But that's where we are today, where we have the similar mountain of evidence, decades of evidence, suggesting what is and is not healthy. Um, in terms of what we're eating, but this has yet to translate into public policy, has yet to translate into kind of the general consciousness. So we really have to take uh, control over our own health, our own family's health, um, uh, until society catches up to the science, uh, because it's, it's really a matter of life and death.
0: I hear that. We're chatting with Dr. Dr. Michael Greger, 203-333-9422. For those of us who crave meat... And there are many of us who will never be vegetarians, much less vegans. What is the? What are the best choices that we can make within the universe of meat eating that will help us age gracefully?
2: Well, in terms of lifespan, eating a burger appears to cut one's life short as smoking two cigarettes. So, if it wouldn't even occur to us to kind of light up before and after lunch, eh, you know, maybe we should you know, try to. Choose the bean burrito instead. However, there are um, some meat is certainly worse than others. Processed meat is the worst, um, uh, and uh, probably the the least harmful meat would be uh, kind of wild caught game uh, harvested without lead ammunition. So something like venison, um, uh, which has extremely low fat content. Most of the animals that we can breed for slaughter, um, we breed to be kind of extra juicy. Unfortunately, that juiciness is the kind of saturated fat content, which is increasing our a risk of uh, heart disease, which, again, is a, is a leading killer. And so, and, and again, look, it's it's quality. It's quality in quantity that matters. And so, you know, let's let's reserve meat for those special occasions, for the Sunday roast, for, you know, or, you know, cut down. Instead of having a big hunk of meat on the plate, how about using meat as a condiment, as a flavoring, as little kind of bits and pieces that add some flavor rather than kind of the centerpiece of the meal?
0: Yeah, now that part is interesting. I have a very dear friend from China, and he says that the Chinese plate that he grew up with, he's ninety now, he's in extraordinary health. But when he cooks and makes a meal, the meat is a little part on the plate and the rest Great. is all greens. Great. Yeah. Yeah.
2: All those vegetables, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And so it's not just about, you know, cutting down on unhealthy foods, but also maximizing the intake of the healthy foods like the fruits and vegetables. And so yeah, that's the kind of plate that's gonna lead to longevity.
0: Are you a vegetarian yourself, doctor?
2: I, I do try to uh, eat healthy and, and not be a hypocrite. Um, uh, it's harder uh, on the road. I'm currently part of a 100-city speaking tour over the next five months. And so, but at home, I really do um, uh, try to eat healthy. Uh, but the important thing is to eat primarily plants, not necessarily exclusively plants. A uh, plant-based diet is really more about maximize the intake of these healthiest foods so on a day-to-day basis, we really should try to kind of center our diet around these natural foods from fields, not factories, these unprocessed plant foods.
0: You know, Dr. Gregor, if you really want to make a huge impact in this world, you should write your next book about how hard it is to eat healthy on the road. Do you know how many Americans no. depend—no, I mean it. Do you know how many Americans yeah, yeah. depend for their livelihood that they have to travel and they have— almost zero choices about how to eat healthy? Do you know how difficult it is for working mothers or generally speaking, mothers in general, working or otherwise who are running from school to a, a soccer practice and have to fit in dinner for 20 minutes and have no time to cook an hour to give their kids a healthy meal, and so they're left with whatever the fast food joint is on the corner. The proliferation of fast food joints is directly related, directly related to all the cardiovascular disease we have in this country. There's no other way to to see it other than that. And that is the revolution we need, in my opinion.
2: Oh, yeah no no absolutely I mean we are just bombarded by bombarded. you know ads for fast food and junk food you know it's important to realize that you know chronic disease obesity is not some kind of moral failing right the battle of the bulge is a battle against biology we're living in this toxic food environment drowning in the sea of excess calories being bombarded by these terrible ads and so you know becoming you know overweight uh, is a natural normal response to an abnormal, unnatural ubiquity of these sugary fatty foods concentrated in calories. These but these you know, these food companies just don't have our family's best interests at heart. So again, we need to make these healthier choices for ourselves.
0: Okay, Dr. Gregor, I, I love your book. It's called How Not to Age, The Scientific Approach to Getting Healthier as You Get Older. It's a, it's a really good motivational pep talk. If, if you thought you knew stuff and you read this book, you realize I didn't know it as well as I thought I knew it, and here's more information about it, and hopefully will be a motivating factor for us to make better, healthier choices because you know what? We're an interdependent society, to the extent that I make a good choice and I live healthier and longer without needing to go to the hospital, guess what, Dr. Gregor? I help you. You don't have to subsidize me.
2: Absolutely. In fact, I mean, <laughs> the leading part of our debt is the, our healthcare costs. And so, right, healthier healthier citizenry is better for everybody.
0: It's better for everybody. And it's certainly better for us as individuals. Dr. Gregor, thank you so much for coming on. Wish you a long and very happy, happy, healthy, healthy life. Thank you very much for writing the book.
2: Ah, thank you so much.
0: We'll be right back with more of the Lisa Wexler show. Stay tuned.
2: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft
1: cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus.